0: Hello everybody! Welcome back to the show. It is season 10. 10, Jim. 10 seasons. Episode 1, Color of War. We're coming to you live over the interweb from all around the United States of America. And wherever you are in the world, welcome to the show. Today, we're going to do our typical. We're going to do up. We're going to do some news, because Marty does have news this time. And... We're going to talk about Color of War and much, much more in
1: three, two, one.
2: You are listening to the Citrep podcast, your source for everything related to historical wargaming. Whether you are looking for the latest wargaming news, reviews, painting tutorials, or playthroughs, you will hear about it right here. So grab your favorite beverage or brush, and let's hit it.
0: Let's right. hit it. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Good morning, everybody. Good uh, morning. Yeah. We got the crew here. Everybody's present, accounted for. Here we are. So, okay. As tradition, what have you been doing since our last show? And, guys, this is Season 10, Episode 1. Yes. We used to do uh, Goofy Seasons. We did more like the British format where you had a series, right? And we could have multiple seasons in a year. Now we are just down to a season in a calendar year. So this is Season 10. Chris. What is this I see you're DMing a game?
3: I am not. Oh, yes, GMing.
0: Okay, GMing, DMing, whatever. Whatever. Same diff, but what are you DMing or GMing?
3: Uh, I was the game master at Flight. Uh, So I was there with all the games that we brought over from Critical Grind. And I was there to assist anybody who wanted to get going in one of the games. That's very cool. Yeah. It would have been nice if we had people nobody showed Uh eh, it was uh not that nice out so scared off some people
4: yeah and there's a there's a regular crew that shows up there and uh you know uh, they brought their own games because it's kind of how we go
0: yeah yeah okay all right well chris what other hobbying have you been doing sir
3: um, I have been doing the, uh, I've been uh, working on my uh, uh, blight Gravelords army. And mm-hmm. I've been, uh, I'm in the middle of building Direwolves right now.
0: Okay. Very cool.
4: Also, one of the trivia questions uh, at the game that we played at Flight was Direwolves. Yeah.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. I-, I thought it was, uh, what does Chris not do?
4: Paint. Oh no, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was ah. gonna say that, that, that no. that's paint. That's that's not trivia. That's facts. That's just yeah, it's just a thing. But uh,
3: I will be getting some painting going on. I hopefully this week I will be receiving my uh, uh new airbrush.
0: Nice. I I'm I'm about this close to pulling the trigger on one. Um yeah, I, I was looking at their website and I'm like, oh, do I want that one? <laughs> Or do I want the Angel Heraldez special? I couldn't decide. So, and I then I need a compressor, you know. Turns out, yeah.
3: Okay, you are not buying a compressor again with me. Not
0: going to. Oh, uh, Chris, that was wife one. Mm -hmm. Wife two, the right wife, is very cool. Yeah, and she's not like that.
3: I know, but except when it comes to guns, I did get my ass sued a lot. When it's oh, no, compressor none.
0: But that was wife one. I know. So it doesn't well, matter. That totally part of my history
3: no longer exists. And you still blame us for all the stuff that you buy.
0: I'm imagining well, I would say your spouse would, but you don't have one. And Marty, I don't smiling. think Donna Donna knows.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it is what it is. Any other hobby related stuff, Chris? Mm, no. All right. Marty.
4: Well, so I joined Chris out there uh, mm-hmm. at the flight the other night. Played played a trivia game, as you may have deduced from my comment. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've
3: That's got uh, incl-
4: would be for weird. you to shut up so I can talk. Thank you. So, uh, <laughs> good morning. Uh, I'm almost fully caffeinated, boys, and I've only got half this pot left, so let's do this. Uh, Working on my in-country dudes, I've got the PMCs almost done. Uh, There's a separate uh, blister pack of uh, female operators. Uh, I've got them uh, started. I've got the big parts blocked in. i got to do all the detail stuff. And I built all of the uh, African militia forces and uh, have them primed. Nice. So. So progress is being, being made there.
0: Nice. Excellente. Anything else? And
4: I, and, and I tried to clean up my, my hobby space a little bit. Cause I'm the guy that pulls everything out and it all ends up on the desk. And then mm-hmm. I have like a space this big to work. So uh-huh. I'm, I'm trying to not do that as much. Right. So, you know, put my, put my stuff away. If I've got, you know, just like leftover bits and crap, either put it away or throw it away. Cool. I'm not good at it. I'm not going to lie. I, yeah. I I like having my stuff around me, I guess.
3: Yeah. It's your safe area.
4: Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like my little nest of hobby crap. No, I get you. I get you.
3: The thing uh, I was going to say earlier, Marty, was
4: uh,
3: Wednesday was also your eldest birthday.
4: Yeah. Yeah. My daughter Maria's birthday. It's and? 26? And
3: she had her first
4: shot of Malort. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you did not. I, she knew. I, I did not. She, I, knew, I, she knew what it was. Yeah, and I, I thought you loved her.
3: I, I do. But I did and oh. I even said that to her. I said, I was going to get you a shot of Malort for your birthday. However, I love you too much. But so he, bullied,
4: the, so he bullies blast. her into, into doing a shot. Does he even do a shot with her? No.
3: I didn't bully her. No, sh- no. You were talking to somebody. Bop, 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 that mom? was the, uh, I would have done that a shot. No, we told the bartender. Um, hey, David, tough years. And he poured her the shot of the Lord.
0: You're just a wicked, wicked man. Wicked. Oh, I, would have done a I don't know either. how we entrusted you to be the godfather of our children.
4: Uh, mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Maria's regarding it.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, well, happy birthday to her.
4: So let's see. It's Saturday morning. This was Wednesday. That aftertaste is probably out of her mouth by now.
0: Yeah. So for anybody who does not know what Malort is, it is a bitters uh, alcohol Mm -hmm. uh, made in Chicago. It is totally Chicago. It is like we took the sewer droppings from the water treatment plant, bottled it, fermented it, and then filtered it. And then that's what you have
4: So. So Jepson's, a Swedish company, you know, well, not like from Sweden, but uh, a person of Swedish descent, has a distillery in Chicago where they make this. And uh, technically, hold your hats, it's a bourbon.
0: It's not. It's a bitters.
4: Yeah, No, read the label, bro. Whatever. Oh, it's just disgusting. It's what you
0: serve tourists that you don't like.
4: It tastes like gasoline and fermented fish heads. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and we make people drink this stuff uh, just so we can watch them freak out because it's so bad. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So right.
4: yeah, yeah, we get we get the tourists with it. Now we do have a thing that we call the Chicago handshake, which is a a, a shot of Malort, and uh, if you're in in the right uh, classy joint, a can of uh, old style uh, to wash it down. And let old me tell style. you, old old style never tasted so good after you've had a Malort, right? <laughs> old style is making a big comeback, man. It's technically. It's really not a bad beer. I mean, it's it, no high it, end beer. It's
0: all my grandparents all drank. It's you know it's Cubs my dad games, Bears up. games. Everybody pulled out the old style, and if you went down to the corner bar, you got old style because they had the sign out front. Yep. Yep. And you got okay. Sorry, I, I'm going to go off tangent here.
4: Here we go.
0: Okay, so there's a Facebook group I belong to called Chicago style pizza, not called Tavern style. You guys are fucking wrong. OK, it is tavern style. The reason it's tavern style is because it's cut in squares. Do you know why it's cut in squares? Because that's how they drew people into the bar. They would make a pizza. They cut in the small squares and people could munch on the pizza and buy drinks. That's where tavern style comes from. It's not the style of the pizza. It's the cut. And that's why it was called tavern style. So all you people on that Facebook group are wrong. Moving on, Jim, how are you and what have you been up to?
4: Why do you stay in that group Hi. then? Seems to make you angry.
1: (laughs) Go ahead, Jim. Um, it's been pretty calm over here. Yeah. I haven't really been working on too much. Um, our hobby area is being reorganized a little bit. Um we have some old rolling shelves that worked great for a number of years, but now some of the drawers were busted out of it. Uh the wheels are very wobbly. It's Mm -hmm. so uh Jen got me some new um, shelving units, so basically everything hobby-related has to get or at least like painting and construction-related has to get pulled out of these old shelves, put in these new ones. So we're working on that. Doing some research for Lebanon 83 because I've got some raw footage in the can from a previous game. We're going to start making that into an episode. Nice. But in order to do uh, some sort of competent um, intro, outro and some context background, uh, I want to get boned up on uh, that period a little bit cause it's from before uh, the Marine barracks bombing in 83. So it's not something that I know a whole heck of a lot about. Um, want to get a little bit more, you know, uh, solid footing on, on that period. Cause I think that's what sets us apart from some other channels is we are our, our, our gaming channels. We, we provide a little bit more, uh, historical actual bedrock and, yeah. um, you know, background to uh, some of the content. Right. And, uh, yeah, that's about it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of stuff going on getting into our busy part of the year.
5: Yeah,
1: uh, it is. It's some, for you. some, some family stuff, uh, is, is, is coming up. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just keep my head above water. Really? Okay. All right.
0: All right. Well, what have I been, not,
1: not, not, not a terribly, uh, you know, a dynamic report from. Oh, that's okay.
0: Hey, it's fine. Everybody has you know times when real life gets in the way of the hobby, so it's good. Um, for me, oh boy, have I done some damage this week? Oh, oh, I've done some damage this week. You buy some paints? Uh, yeah. So, uh, little show and tell time. So I like you know I have nothing left. Hobby-wise, I have to rebuild my collection. So I bought one of these, Shaker Doohiggies, Lab Things. You know, you know these are now $22. bucks. 2 years ago, these were $70, $80. Uh, now they're down yeah, to you like $22. Say, bucks. I,
4: I think I got mine, like, show special at Adepticon. Was it last year? Year before last? Hmm. And it was, was it 70 bucks I paid for that, Chris? Does that sound yeah. right?
3: Well, they yeah. get different quality of ones,
5: too.
0: The, well, the
3: no, speed. it's it's
0: just supplying. I mean, COVID supply is now, you know, that issue is all gone. So prices yeah. are dropped in demand, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, so I got a, a paint shaker, and then I bought one of these.
4: I saw a review on that, and, uh, you know, it was uh, uh, John Ninas Ninjan. Uh, uh-huh. and, he, and he's like, I thought this was going to be a gimmicky piece of crap.
0: Right, and I saw I the same video. It, Yep. Yeah, and he's
4: like, I think I actually like it. <laughs> yep. I think it okay. might be useful.
5: What the hell is
0: it? It's a yeah, paint brush. You. Sorry. That. You put water in here, clean water, and because of gravity and, you know, physics, it puts water into here. You clean your brush, and then when you dump it, you push this button, it dumps the dirty water into the holding tank, and then refills it with clean water. So your, water, your clean water for your brush is always clean, okay. so you don't have contaminated paint water. I Which is especially nice for metallics, but any paint. Yeah. So anytime you're rinsing your brush, the next brush you clean will have clean water.
1: Somebody oh, just cool. stole that from
3: their cat, it
0: looks like. Uh, basically, but <laughs> it works. I
1: was going right? to say, I, I already have one of those. Um, she's called Jennifer. And <laughs> whoa. whoa, whoa. It's like, Jen, give me some more clean water, please. Thank you. More clean water. Thank you. $12. Yeah. Nice.
0: So. You know, I'm like for twelve bucks, I'll try it. Yeah, I I actually ordered it after watching his video.
4: So yeah, he yeah he does uh the probably twice a year he does. I bought a bunch of crap off the internet to mm-hmm. see if it's any good review type videos and yeah. Every every now and then he gets some good stuff.
0: Yep, and then, as Chris alluded to, I bought the entire set of Pro Acryl from Mon- Monument Hobbies paints. Because I watched Ninja yep. John's review of them, and he really likes them. And I, I watched another guy, yeah. and I'm like, man, these are expensive. It's like 24 bottles for $100. bucks. i am like, holy crap, that's expensive. However, the bottles are much bigger. And then there was a guy who did a review of different paints, you know, Army Painter, Vallejo, uh, Citadels. And I mean, he broke it down to price per ml.
4: Yeah, that's The price 22. difference
0: was no different.
4: 22 milliliter bottle. Yeah. Versus uh what's CW 17.
0: CW17? Yeah. For the biggest and, orders.
4: And and I, yeah. I love them. I, I don't have the full range. Uh I've yeah. only got a couple of the their kits. Yeah. I I I enjoy them greatly. Yeah. Uh, you're so.
3: colorblind. You don't need the full range.
0: <laughs> so right. there was that. Um so um adaptacon order. We'll talk about that shortly, but we you know got our passes for that. Oh, we are going to have a table in the historical wing yep. Talk to um, Talk to Mike Yep, I talked to Mike the other day um, I got a follow up with him I told him I'd get back to him And then work got in the way And I forgot to get back to him But uh, we were actually waiting to hear back from Matt uh, From Adopticon to see if we can get the rooms Like we've had in the past But I never heard back from him So we'll just go with the table Unless something changes um, So I yeah, I get over, that
4: Being over there is going to be way better There's a ton more room
0: well, I liked having the rooms yeah. that we could lock. And then you know, it, it so I mean I liked having we'll, that space there. So we'll
4: we'll talk to uh we'll talk to Mike because last year mm-hmm. he got us a room on the side that we could secure stuff in All right. if we needed to.
0: Okay. Um also um I uh, offer promotion, yeah, okay.
1: Um yeah, it sounds like a bot. Yeah, uh, we'll get
0: rid a, of that.
1: Uh, kill
4: that. Yeah. we're gonna
0: kill you
1: I kill you and
4: Boom. while you're doing and while you're doing that tough years uh magically I had no uh tech issues this morning and the difference between what I did today and what I did on uh, on the last one nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Huh. I, it, it's a it's a ghost I, maybe you should come over and look at my computer I think there it's you go so you hit, uh
1: toughy toughy ghostbuster over here uh yeah right we, we look at the Marty's tech. Who you gotta yeah. call? There's some gremlins in the machine.
0: And then last Saturday, a week from today, they there's a small miniature's company called Games Workshop. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of them. Are um, they new? Yeah. It's a little place out of you know Nottingham. Um, had a, had a release of something called the Old World. Um,
4: you went all in on Old Hammer, didn't you? <laughs>
0: yes yes i did
1: wasn't bill making fun of people for buying old yes hammer? okay
0: but i i have to be honest with you. i do like the look of the bretonian knights I, I you know
4: yeah because they look like uh you know and brand. to be honest
0: with you it is something don will play
4: oh cool oh well there you go all right no, at least you, okay. you get mileage there but
0: we're also going to expand it because I have to support my friend Ronnie Renton for Mantic Games. So it leads us into playing Kings of War. They're, you know, alternative to Warhammer Fantasy. Um, and you can use any models there or their own. But anyways, but yes, that's you... something Don is interested in playing. Go cool. ahead, Tim, what No, you... I was just going to say,
1: um, I heard that uh, Kings of War has improved their rule set. Because mm-hmm. at first... Okay. It was clunky. It was. It was. It was fine for fantasy, like some of the stuff the, the units can do.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but then they they started to flirt a little bit along the edges of either ancient or medieval historical. Yeah. And I was like, all right, all those little things we could overlook before, now now I have a problem. Like, have you guys ever done close order drill? You know, that's not how formations move. Mm -hmm. You know, you pivot perfectly in place. I guess if every single unit in your medieval army was the Marine Corps silent drill team, maybe you could maneuver your units that way. Mm -hmm. But um, from what I I understand, uh, some of the, especially movement rules, some of the movement rules, like the whole bounce back half, bounce back one inch or something like that, that rules Mm -hmm. been cleaned up. All right.
0: So, yeah, they're fat. And uh, uh, so yes, I, I have uh, your
4: old Kings of War stuff. So yeah, I don't I want to. No, I was going to say I'm I might have to bust those out and see what the uh, what's useful.
0: Word of warning, that is one of the original Kings of War starter sets made in rustic. Ask anybody about rustic, and they will pull their hair out. It's terrible material. the The parts don't fit right. The minis. Ugh. Now they make them in hard plastic. So, um, so but we're actually thinking of taking our. Um, getting uh, Lord of the Rings minis and making our armies based on Lord of the Rings minis. Cause you can use pretty much anything. Um, we'll probably get a start. Okay. My plan is at some point is to do a comparison video of Warhammer fantasy or old world as they call it now versus Kings of war um, at some point. So I did that. Then I did something else.
4: Oh,
1: That wasn't enough. You bought I mean, something or- from GW. So you're you're already on a payment plan. I
4: mean, you you remember how he said that uh, he had a good week? <laughs> yeah. Wow.
0: So I feel like I'm failing my historical friends. And since Jim is like our excellence on par of World War Two and thereabouts, I went somewhere you should never ever go.
4: The Warlord uh, web page. <laughs> hey you know what
1: the... oh no bye Bill I'm not sure who's taking over the channel now that well, Bill has just disappeared down the, the well, endless black hole that has Napoleonics uh, guys, we'll, we'll miss you, yep. I'm surprised
0: so, you yes, I the, the, uh, we'll talk about this when we do Colors of War hence the title Colors of War
1: next week will be you know, Bill Sitrep 6 a retrospective
4: <laughs> yes <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, uh, so uh,
3: Dawn's not around. She she's working her second job to pay for no bill this last week. Uh,
0: I, I I'm not gonna brag, but I got a pretty decent raise. So uh, we're you good. Wait, what? We're good. You get a raise?
4: I could. I, I got told but that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I got I got told that I should enjoy the fact that they keep me employed. Uh,
3: <laughs> you did get a raise, Marty. They let you I, buy what six thousand dollars in ammo.
4: Oh yeah, they did pay for my ammo. That order, yeah. by the way, that or, that order dropped. I'm just waiting for it to come in. And, and seriously, it was fifty seven hundred dollars. Yeah.
1: When when wow. it comes to when it comes to Napoleonics, it could be free. I mean, they, they, they can pay you to have oh. the miniatures.
4: <laughs> oh, they'll do it's, it too, just to suck in.
1: Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's still it's, it's one of those. I don't know what the, I don't know what the difference is. Like World War II is technically a larger subject. Um, hmm. But it's like you can somehow surface out of World War II easier than Napoleonics. Anyone I've known who's seriously gotten into Napoleonics, that's pretty much been their thing for at least a decade. I don't know what it is about that subgenre. It's kind of crazy. It's almost evil. Something about Napoleonics.
0: Well, I like the colors. Yeah. it it, napoleonics is definitely you know um can take on its own world obviously um but harking back to the days of when my dad and my uncle played war games on the basement floor you know using lead minis uh it was either american civil war or napoleonics so you know i remember sitting there watching my dad paint a whole bunch of those things um so I'm like, you know what? We, we do a lot of uh, other stuff, and we've tried to expand our historical content. So um, it just popped up in my Amazon. Hey, look at this. And I went,
1: okay. <laughs> Bought
0: it. And cool, then they Amazon. said, hey, how about Pike and Shot? And I'm like,
1: oh, no. Um,
0: that's,
1: a, that's another whole era. That's
0: Yeah, I'm like, I got to finish something first. My, my yeah. pile of shame has grown immensely. I still have to finish all my Legion Imperialis stuff. I, I, I just—I literally you, need to take a week off of work just to finish everything. So you should okay, have bought your uh, on
3: Napoleon yeah.
1: So, but yeah,
0: I, I'm I'm excited to dig into those.
1: Uh, Pike and shot—they weren't even using flintlocks yet. They were still using matchlocks mostly. Yeah. So the rate uh, of fire is, you know, is a lot lower than even for you know what we consider black powder right and how that affects the game is um a lot more movement compared to fire as far as that coefficient goes and that means that there's going to be a hell of a lot more hence pike you know there's there's a lot more uh yeah uh, melee combat melee combat requires movement if you can't you know that's why people i think the last recorded bayonet charge officially was the Scots guards at uh, the falklands there was actually, you know, a fixed pay in and they caught some Argentinians in the back, and we're probably not not going to see another one. No, again. <laughs> yes, yeah, a lot. What is that? Damon. It's the law. <laughs> what, are you, what is this? What is this black magic of which you speak? Yeah, right. No, uh,
0: I. Yeah, the only reason I mentioned Pike and Shot is because it came up as a hey, you might be interested in this because it's in the epic scale. You know, the uh, Warlord has the epic oh, scale okay. stuff, and yeah. it's Pike and Shot. So you know, it's.
1: uh, Are Napoleonics in Epic Scale too? They
0: do have that too, but I'm like, you know what? I want some 28 mil because I'm like, I'm going to finish these guys and paint these guys. I have no place to put them. So what I did is I, let me share. You bought a game store. That would be cool. That would be cool. I'm just, I'm not going to lie. It
4: might take a while, but we'll get there. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Tough Ears years, Piking Shot is usually English Civil War, but not. I bought
4: that. Oh, nice. Just, oh. Well, G- Jim knows all the words to, to that. I'm pretty sure he's in that same mode.
0: So mm-hmm. I bought that to put our minis in. Very nice. Right. Yeah.
1: That is cool.
0: Yeah. So, all right, let me stop sharing this. Oop.
1: Yeah, so, I showed my case and my dad. Uh, that, that the one you dad, dad built, actually, right? Yeah. Yeah. And people, uh, people were like, asking me on various platforms. You know, where where did you get that? I'm like, dude, my dad made it for me. He's like, Oh, is it too late to be, you know, retroactively like pre-adopted? <laughs> <laughs> Calling dibs on it? <laughs> yeah. I don't need any brothers. Go away. Make your own damn case. <laughs> <laughs> He's well, not I think dad. that's it
0: for me this week. I think I've done enough damage.
3: You need yeah. an earbrush for all of that <laughs> painting. That's that
0: probably gonna to be, on. be on the next show. <laughs> Right. Uh, Tuffy Year oh, says there's a lot of fighting in Europe. That's Pike and Shot, too. Hey, I know nothing about it. It just yeah, came up as a set. It looked Pike cool. I'm like, eh, let me wait.
1: Pike so, and Shot is usually English Civil War, but you also have the 30 Years War. You have the Spanish Wars of Succession. There's there's a fair amount. Actually, that's a little too late for that. Um, there, there's definitely a few choices.
0: Was the War but of Roses in that era? Or was that earlier? Fifth, yeah isn't that like knights against knights and all that stuff is that more? um
1: like... it's, it's 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 where uh, there's there's ancients there's medievals well, actually there's ancients there's dark ages then there's medievals middle ages some people kind of blur those two together and eventually that kind of blurs into the renaissance mm-hmm. um it's pretty much where and when i mean firearms weren't invented overnight uh, they developed gradually. Technically, they were cannon as far back as the 1200s, depending on, you know, what you read. But as far as, like, handheld firearms and when that affects the tactics on the field and obviously, you know, trickle down, um, how that affects uh, your game mechanics. Gotcha. And, and where that, if there is no line. People can argue about where the line is. The reason you argue about it is because there is no line. It's like this phased, you know, kind of an overlap area. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's really, you know, whatever, you know, your group is into. Okay. But, yeah, so 1600s is the, um, yeah, 1600s is squarely in the middle of what people call pike and shot. When you get into, like, some of the wars, like, right around um, Britain versus Spain around the uh, battle of, uh, well, the Spanish Armada.
5: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I mean, Spanish Armada is a naval battle, obviously, but, I mean, like, the the, the campaigns that were going on on land at the same time, it's getting kind of... uh, not really. Pike and Shadows is a little bit more medieval. And then, like Tuffy Year says, by the time you get further back into the War of Roses, I mean, I don't I don't recall, I'm not an expert on War of Roses, I don't recall a whole lot of firearms in that. So, there might have been like one or two wheel locks or match locks, uh, dueling pistols or something. But, yeah, that's pretty much, you know, uh, like Tuffy Ear says, um, late medieval. Gotcha. And nice. then, uh, what about the it? Knights of Knee? Uh-huh.
0: Yeah.
1: They're
4: looking for shrubberies. Shrubberies? Uh, <laughs> the uh did pike and shot do an update of their rules last summer is that something
0: I, I like that I I, I I really know nothing about that rule set i,
4: I was surfing oh. around and i saw a bunch of articles of oddly enough about them from uh like last june july yeah and i'm like and i don't know if maybe they just uh uh re-released their book just to get more out there or if there was a updated edition
1: not, not sure. sure yeah tough years um uh, edward the first uh he's the uh for everyone the big bad guy in braveheart show you how far back it goes technically had what we would call a cannon uh in his campaign in wales in like the beginning part of the 1200s like 1205 something like that so cannons have been around forever uh, by the way just real quick i'm talking about the era of either pike and shot or push of pike or whatever you want to call it um i don't know anything about that specific yeah the pipe you guys are talking about a specific game system.
0: Yeah, game system yeah. called Pike okay. and Shot.
1: There's, yeah, okay. there's a rule set called uh, Pike, so and Pike Shot. So there's Pike and Shot, the rule system, and then there's either Push of Pike or Pike and Shot, or whatever you want to call it. Um, that's the general era of warfare okay. that runs generally late – I'm mean, being very general here – late 1500s to probably – yeah, because by the time you get to the late 1600s, you've got Charles Twelfth versus Peter the Great. You've got Louis Fourteenth versus uh, Marlborough um churchill's uh, ancestor that th- i don't remember any real pike in that that's going to be pretty much I me mean, plug bayonet that, that's about it that's when you had literally a pistol uh, a, a, a musket mm-hmm. usually they were mostly up to actual flintlocks locks by then and your bayonet wasn't even something that hooked on the end and then went over or under like a modern bayonet it literally just stuck into the weapon like mm-hmm. right down the muzzle
0: yeah this is the set here from warlord games <laughs> nice so, so it's like yeah.
1: cleaning rides.
0: Basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just little epic things. And yeah, I'm just sat, like, hey, you
1: might like this. So fire, like, scale is, 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 epic scale is like six millimeter. I can't.
0: Yeah, uh, I think they say theirs is eight, if I'm okay. not mistaken.
1: Uh, Honestly, see. that's the way I would go. Because one thing about those battles is that they're big. Yeah. In in order for push a pike tactics to work, you have to have a lot of you have to have these big pipe blocks, and I'm sure a 28 millimeter table on that scale would be impressive to look at. In fact, I'm sure it would be, but you're gonna have to have like a
4: it, 12 it also, foot table.
1: Yeah, I was shower. gonna say it also
4: fill up in my driveway.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, it,
4: it
0: so there's that. The so oh, go ahead, Mark or Jim.
1: Uh, are you still talking about your 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 ketchup or whatever? No, no, I'm done. Um, a little bit of news from down here, uh, yeah. nothing I've accomplished. Um, all shout out goes to Jim Dundorf, uh, Mark Ritchie, uh, Ron Her- uh, Merriman. It looks like we have actually against all odds gotten our, uh, our lease for another year at our club. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. will be, uh, yeah. So that's, that's, I've got like three episodes I can make with the stuff I have in the can, but, uh, yeah, we will be, uh, there's a little bit of news down here. So uh, that's that's where a lot of our content in 2023 came from, uh, was out of that club. Right. So that's why I was always like, eh, I'll make an episode now and then if I can. I wasn't sure if we were going to have a club because I can't make this shit in my dining room anymore. Right. Um, Not only is it a pain in the ass, but it doesn't look good because we don't have good lighting here. I um, every, fun, every, every, every table looks like it's in the shadow of a, of a mushroom cloud because the lighting <laughs> is so, you know. <laughs> I'm like waiting for my guys to leave little shadows on the, on the board. Cause that's all that's left of them. Um, yeah. So war of the roses was 1455 to 87. That's a little too early for Pusher pike. Uh, if I'm not an expert, but I don't remember t- too many firearms, um, light artillery or early artillery, I should say, certainly, um, but getting back on topic super quick. Uh, yeah, we, the, the, the club is more or less back on, mm-hmm. um, and next week, we're doing some World War One. We might even try. Uh, you you have something going uh, next week, Bill, or something the week after. For, um, oh, crap. I forgot for what week it is. works Drift. I think, that's, I think that's two weeks from now.
0: Um, Is that
1: next weekend? It's the 27th of January, right?
0: Uh, you know, let me look.
1: Oh. Two weeks.
0: Two weeks. Yeah. No, it's January 22 to January 23, so it technically would be next weekend. Okay. Cool. Do you have something you want to throw out for Uh, next week? People
1: are asking me about the possible – because one of the upgrades we've done to the club is uh, Uh we're setting up some Wi-Fi in there. Okay. And if we can Wi-Fi, we might be able to live stream. I mean, we won't live stream the entire game because we've talked about running whole battles in live stream. Mm -hmm. but. Okay they're they're getting interested in, well, in live streaming from. I, if
0: you want to do a live stream or whatever next weekend please do so and i'll just do the content for Rourke's drift the following weekend that gives me time to edit it now right?
1: i only do, i honestly don't know if we even have it so let's okay. keep the schedule as it is All right. and I'll, if, if for tomorrow for next week i'll just record okay cool.
4: and uh for for those of us or for those of you who are watching on uh, social media or uh, listening on our channels welcome to our production meeting Yeah, sorry. That's That's what we do. It's It's our backstage edition. I mean, yeah. There you go.
0: All right, Marty. Uh, Yes. It's. uh, I think it's that time, sir.
4: I don't. I don't think it is. I haven't heard anything.
0: You haven't heard anything. I don't hear anything.
5: Let's in on the scuttlebutt. Bring on the awesomeness that is Wargaming.
4: Yes! All right. Yeah, now, now, it, goes, now it's time.
0: What fun. happened to the sexy British chick? I liked her. Oh, that's only for you. Uh, oh, sweet. All right. right.
1: <laughs> even better. Even better.
0: So uh, when uh, you're ready to give us an in-depth info, let me know, and I will bring her on for you, sir. All right, Marty.
4: All right. So uh First item that I that I have is uh, something out of Black Sight Studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we kind of talked about this the other night. Black Sight Studios, uh, you know, fr- friend of the channel. We remember just back when, when it was, uh, you know, those guys working out of their garage and whatnot, you know, yep. uh, they have uh, kind of become a little bit of a juggernaut uh, developing, not just a uh, really good MDF terrain, but, uh, you know, game development. They've got their own miniatures and whatnot. So, uh, they've got a new game coming out called Breacher, right? So uh, it's a modern combat game, near future. Uh, basically, it's uh you know PMCs uh versus the world, taking care of business and places where maybe you can't, uh, you know, a, uh, a nation state can't, you know, officially be or rich people are contracting them to you know take care of their light work, you know, political opponents, that type mm-hmm. of stuff, whatever. You know, uh, so uh, that is uh coming out here shortly. And uh, uh, they one of the things that they said is that uh, you can uh, easily adapt this into like a like a futuristic cyberpunk if that's your thing as well. It's, I don't think it's necessarily written that way from what I can tell. but you know if that's your jam, you can do that with it as well. Okay. So very nice. Ch- check that out if uh, that seems interesting, just go to blacksightstudio.com and uh, you'll see the uh, ad for breacher there. Very
0: nice. All right. Uh, you ready to move on to your next yep. one, sir?
4: Yep. Yep. Next next up, uh this is uh from uh Spectre uh miniatures and uh we, we kind of mentioned this the other night as well. But uh this is what uh what they sent out in their newsletter. Hold
0: on uh, a I'm missing it. Oh no. Uh go ahead. Just yeah. go ahead and talk about it. I don't know where it's at now, but go ahead. I-
4: All right, so they they sent out a newsletter uh, about a week ago, a week ago Friday, Uh Uh, and uh, and they're talking about their plans for 2024, and they seem pretty ambitious. You know, uh, they said 2023 has been a great year for them. It's the most successful year in the company's history. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, 2024 will be their 10-year anniversary uh, of launch of the company. So, uh, you know, they've got some big plans. Uh, As they say, they don't want to lay out a concrete plan. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that goes, but right. this is what they expect to do on the miniature side of the house. They are looking for to do at least one release every month. Nice. Said it could be one or more sets of infantry vehicles or scenery. Uh, and going forward, they're going to be producing miniatures in resin as well. Okay, all all, with some single, pr- uh, printed single miniatures mm-hmm. uh, now. One of the, uh, one of the more interesting things to me was uh, on the rules side of the house, they said that they expect to have a rules release every quarter, which will, uh, which will be PDF. So, you know, that is, uh, you know, two things uh, going on there that are interesting. One, that's a lot of rules releases. And two, traditionally, they have been opposed to uh, uh, PDF releases, Mm -hmm. you know, and. Uh, You know, trying to hang on to their proprietary information. Totally get that. Uh, But, uh, you know, apparently they've decided this is the way to go. Uh, So it said it could vary from uh, new force builders, scenario uh, packs, additional rules content. Uh, You know, on top of that, uh, they expect to have printed rules releases about twice a year. Uh, And those will be supplements with new forces, campaigns or significant uh, rules materials. So, hey. Awesome. Yeah. You know, lots of stuff going on there. Also, uh if uh, you are a uh, Spectre Operations uh player, uh they uh uploaded a uh uh errata. So that way uh, if you're playing uh, the new game, uh you know, folks have said, you know, I found some stuff, uh you know, so their FAQ and errata have been uh updated and you can uh, check that out. And uh speaking of Blacksite Studios, uh they are partnered with specter operations so mm-hmm. uh uh blacksite uh is the us distributor for specter specter is the uk distributor for blacksite so uh for regardless of which side of the pond you're on if you go to one of those two companies you can uh find pretty much all their stuff
0: very nice yeah so
4: they are are our best of the fine folks over over at specter it's great to see them uh particularly coming out of the pandemic i i wasn't sure if they were going to make it so right uh, glad glad to glad to see them uh being successful and running with it there you go all right next all right moving on warlord so uh you know warlord does their little soldier of fortune their monthly thing so uh you know, uh, this year or this month, uh, Soldier of Fortune, number
0: six. I thought I recognized that guy. Yeah. Mm. From the longest day.
4: It's that uh-huh. goofy sergeant. Yep. That's um. who it is. Exactly.
1: Oh, that's is that it. our boy? The uh, uh, what does he yeah. call him? There he is. The prime example of the master yeah. race. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that poor mule to carry his ass down to the beach hunters. Yep. 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 That's our guy,
4: mounted on his faithful steed, as it says. Faithful steed, his
1: long suffering steed.
4: (laughs) Oh boy, good times. I just, you know, I this is one of the things that uh, that Warlord does. I just, I just kind of get a kick out of uh, who they uh, uh, decide to uh, highlight each month. So
1: I just thought I would share this. Uh, Next week it might be the Frenchman in his pajamas and his, his his suffering wife. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> Trying to pull his ass back into the window as <laughs> the are going off. Battleship shells are labeled. <laughs> <We'll> find out <laughs> February.
4: <laughs> could be, could be. We'll find out in February.
0: All right. That, that's an interesting yep. choice for their uh, pick, I have to say.
4: Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't I don't know that you're using this dude in gameplay, but, you know, he's a cool little dude.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
4: you know, and, well, and these and the soldier of fortune, these are all I don't know. Limited edition. It's available for that month, and that's that's it. Yeah, you know. So, yep. uh, not if to you're yeah, if months. you're a
0: World War II collector and you have a soft spot for um, the Longest Day, I could definitely see picking this up as just a display piece. I uh, mean, how you could, you could put it in your game, you know? You,
1: well, two points. Yeah. Number one, you absolutely because troops like that are big. Um, there, there's a lot more of them than a lot. I mean, we were all in the military, obviously, you know, and, uh, you're not always up against frontline guys, especially mm-hmm. if you're any kind of spec ops or like British commandos, they're usually up against guys like this, you know, they're not fighting, you know, first That's... SS Liebstander, they're, they're fighting guys like this, you know, trying to run to the anti-aircraft guns or something as the commandos jump out of the water. And, um. Yeah, so, I mean, like in Pange Leader, like those little security platoons you get, that's what they're doing. Like, that's why they have lower values than the frontline mm-hmm. troops. Because it's a guy and maybe two of them out of every three, two of them have an MP40. The third guy has a pistol. Maybe one guy has nothing. He's got coffee cups or, yeah. you know, a mule or something like that.
4: I want that you know. guy. Yeah. <laughs> does he it, does it have a coffee pot as well?
0: Yeah, yeah good point, Damon. That's uh, that's an excellent point.
1: And... um. Yeah, like, like around artillery crews and stuff like that. Anything that's sure. behind the lines mm-hmm. or even on the flanks. So they're like probably two out of three soldiers in any army probably look more like that than some heroic, you know, guy sitting in a right. trench somewhere.
5: So,
1: and, um, yeah, just as an aside, longest day. Still the best uh, D-Day movie. Nice. <laughs> I, I do say that with uh, for Saving Private Ryan on the table.
4: That's right. announces that with authority.
1: It is. It is.
0: Uh, shall I say John Wayne? 82nd Airborne.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not his fault. He was 20 years too old for. Yeah, I know. Everybody's got to go down that road. Well, I mean, and and he's like basically playing John Wayne. He's not even playing the character. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Yeah. (laughs) Twenty years too old,
1: but to his credit, he was also like a foot too tall. The real Uh was like, not not a big guy. I think he was like five foot four or something. He was a relatively small person. <laughs> Not five, four, but he, he wasn't tall like John Wayne.
0: He was the minimum that yeah. you had to be in the army at the time.
4: Yeah, well, he, he was five, nine when he started, but after uh, you no, know, six or seven go. jumps. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All, All right, right moving, moving along. along. My spinal cord is an accordion. What happened? Right, right.
4: All right. Uh, and then uh, a couple of uh, final items uh, regarding uh, upcoming conventions. So Adepticon. Yes coming up march 20th through the 24th registration and the crew up. will be there yes yep. we are we uh myself chris uh bill uh don will be there uh jim you're as you're always welcome you're invited up i know you told us to go pound sand already but you know <laughs> i did like
1: he's like no i'm not going he
4: politely <laughs>
0: declined
4: if, no no,
1: as, we, as, as we've as we previously explored sometimes i'm communicating at two wavelengths yeah and, it's, uh, it's cool you know.
0: man but yeah we plan on no, being there did, uh, having a, a setup somewhere so we can live stream uh each day um we'll, we'll do show wrap-ups uh we'll do some you know uh don and i are actually going to be at the uh, gw preview night on wednesday night i believe it is um well, I, I'm. I've actually reached out to Warren at On Tabletop to see if they want us to do some uh, coverage for them as well. So, oh
1: nice. You know, we'll we'll see. from the past. All right. Right.
0: I mean, you got to remember, Adepticon was how we got started in this whole mess. Um, <laughs> literally. Uh, for Help. those who don't know the story, so way back 2013. Here. It might have been 10 years ago now. Um, I was. Talking to Warren, I wrote an article about, of all things, the Bolt Action rule book, and, um, you know, we started talking. I said, we're going to go to this show called Adepticon. I knew nothing about it at the time. He goes, oh, you are? Would you like to cover it for us? I'm like, sure, you know, whatever. So that's when I said, hey, Dawn, guess what we're doing? And she's like, what? We're going to cover Adepticon for Beasts of War, you know, as they were known at the time. She goes, what's Adepticon and What are you talking about? So I had explained. She goes, what's Miniature Wargaming? Uh, so <laughs> well well Ten years so. later <laughs> years later so it's, it's war, in the...
1: War, and, uh, the the classic british the classic british guy gets the colonials to do the, the fighting for him. <laughs> 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 so yeah that's how we
0: started down this road but uh yeah we'll be there um and covering things and all that stuff oh, yeah. so yeah if you if you are into miniature wargaming Adepticon is the show for you in the United States. It is all, yep. well, I can't say that n- anymore because they now do board games and stuff. They're actually having board game championships or something like that. Yep. Um, but yeah, 99% of it is all miniature wargaming. Yeah. Um, and, and of that miniature wargaming, about 50% of it's going to be GW stuff, uh, mostly 40K. There'll be Age of Sigmar. Yep. Uh, I think there's some Lord of the Rings as well. Yep. There's uh, Legion team. Imperialis, you know, all the, all the scope. And then another part of it, you have usually big tournaments for like X-Wing, um, you know, a lot of those games. So yeah, Star Wars
4: Shatterpoint. Um. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So there you go.
4: Yeah. So, kids. so get Adeptic- it while you can. Yeah. And they have a new two-tier badge system. Yeah. So in the past they've had three tiers where you've got your regular badge that you know gets you in. Uh you had a premium badge that uh you got a swag bag with. And then you had the V.I.G. badge where you literally needed a wagon to haul all your swag around. Right. uh, Because it was a ton of stuff. So they've gotten rid of V.I.G. and premium and kind of Frankenstein them together. Mm -hmm. So now uh, uh, and they call it advanced. So now you can get your regular badge and that's 55 bucks. And that gets you in for the for the whole show. Or you, uh, for a buck and a quarter, you can go and get the uh, advanced badge. The mm-hmm. nice thing is uh, there's more badges mm-hmm. now, uh, more advanced I, badges. So there's 2,000. I still think they're all gone.
0: Available. Are they gone now? Well, I mean, they're still I'm, limited number, but there was. I
4: am, I'm sure that they're probably gone by now. They were gone that
0: day. Were they? I mean, because when we bought ours, there was actually quite a few left. I was surprised that, that there was that many left, but there, there was. probably gone by There was only by 700 left
4: when I yeah. uh, did my registration, and that was. Um, I don't know, seven minutes after it <laughs> opened. Yeah.
0: But it's a great show. Uh, they have a lot of great workshops, seminars. Um they actually are gonna have a um content creator meetup, I think, on Wednesday night. We did not yep. participate in that just because one, we're still relatively small. Um, while Don and I would know quite a few people, I just didn't want to be standing around going, Oh, who are you? We're Rob Oh, okay. And they move on, yeah. you know, so we, we've, I don't like that kind of pressure, you know, we, we'll, just let yeah. us do our thing. Just let us do our thing. We might do a meetup if we had enough people we knew that were coming. We might, you know, hey, there's a place we can meet up at and have a few pints and whatnot, but.
1: So everyone wears the same shirt and you have some merch on hand and you have like even guards you can hand out.
0: Right. So yeah. we, that, yeah. that way,
1: even though you're super small, uh, someone comes up to you and says, who are you? They're like. You, Here, it's almost—it's it, it, almost like you're you're presenting yourself bigger than you are. Like, yeah. of course, we're a huge thing. We have our own merch. Yep. We, here's a here's a professional-looking business card. Where the yeah. fuck have you been? You know.
4: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fake and, it till,
1: it's fake it till you make it, kind of a thing. Exactly.
4: And, and on the his uh, so the historical stuff is all over uh, in the Hyatt. Yeah. You know, so you've got more space there. You there are places where we could do a meetup right there if we wanted to have a cocktail. You can one, you can go to the hotel bar, which is cheaper and better than the one over at the Renaissance, yeah. where the main show is. And two, they've got the uh what is that City Works uh yeah. adjacent to them.
3: Yeah. And
4: uh, and they've got a bunch of craft beer in there, it's a pretty good oh, selection. And, and even and, better, the parking. yeah, yeah, there's a place you to can, park over you there. can actually park within sight
3: of
0: the building. Nice.
4: Yeah, uh, and uh speaking of the Hyatt, so they've got uh a hundred and eighteen Uh, events scheduled over there this year. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's where we're staying. I think we're staying at the
0: Hyatt.
4: Yeah. There's plenty of stuff going on there. Uh, you know, uh, our friends over at Lead Pursuit are even doing a, uh, uh, a hobby painting class there. So, Mm -hmm. you know, painting aircraft and the vehicles and whatnot. So that, that's exciting that, uh, you know, they're starting Mm -hmm. to get hobby stuff on the historical side and they're doing it right there with the, uh, uh, historical folks nice and then there's also 224 other hobby seminars that are uh yeah. scattered around just so,
0: about everything you so there was a couple i was thinking about going to but i'm like no uh, this year i want to get back into the you know and really hone our skills and then look at probably next year uh, i'll be honest with you there wasn't too many artists that i uh really interested in doing um there was only a couple, but that, that's fine. It's no big deal. I, there'll be plenty to do. Um, all right. What's next, Marty? Uh,
4: and then Gen Con is coming up. So badges for Gen Con 2024 go on sale uh, in about a month, Sunday, February 11th. Mm-hmm. At, noo- at noon Eastern time, uh, GenCon.com. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, say. Same, same deal as as always uh you know continue to offer thousands of ticketed in-person events uh they sold out their exhibit hall again so you know, that mm-hmm. will be packed uh they're doing an outdoor block party uh they've got a, a beer garden and food truck and live entertainment all that jazz going on uh and they are doing something special i don't know exactly what it is but uh 50th anniversary Dungeons and dragons in 24. oh so,
0: that's always a good time. That so is always a good time.
4: I, I was gonna say I'm I'm betting that'll be pretty uh pretty lit. There's gonna be a bunch of stuff going on. And then yeah, uh, no, it's at,
0: it's always at, a good time.
4: And GenCon itself runs August uh first uh, through the fourth at the Indiana Convention Center. So yeah. same location, Lucas Oil Stadium. You know, yeah, no, Toronto, it's it's, it's always a
0: very good time. Uh, we were there. I want to say the first year we covered Gen Con, they had a huge D and D celebration. So they, they do it right there.
4: Yeah, and I bet for the fiftieth anniversary, they're they're gonna pull out all the stops. Yeah.
3: All right. Yeah. Hey, have uh, you guys heard of Gary Con up in uh, Lake Geneva?
0: Gary Con. Yeah. Gary it's all Con. Of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom Tullis, one of our friends who owns uh, Fat Dragon. Uh, games is the Fat Dragon games or Fat Dragon terrain, he, anyways. He's the one that does a lot of the terrain and stuff. He, he's he's a big participant in that. So, and
3: did I also see that uh, Historicon uh,
4: tickets have dropped? Oh, I have,
0: I haven't even looked at Historicon yet.
4: I didn't, I, I didn't see anything on it. Doesn't yeah. mean it hasn't happened, but I, oh, I did not notice it. <coughs>
0: I mean, it's very possible they've dropped it, but I, I couldn't tell you. I haven't looked.
4: All right. Okay. Is that it, Marty, for the news? That is all I've gotten. Uh, unless you uh, guys got something you want Before we
0: close out, the news? First thing, guys, I'd like to share with you, if you're not aware.
4: I do have one alibi. Go ahead. Uh. So you were talking about uh getting new paints from uh-huh. the the line. Uh for those of you that might be might be interested, uh Army Painter fanatic sets are coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are going to be dropping soon. Check it check them out. Instead of uh just regular triads, they've actually got them in groups of 6 now.
5: Yeah.
4: Uh and uh it, it they seem to be pretty well received. You know, so uh, take a look at them. It looks like they've got really highly pigmented paints uh, that they've really uh, uh, have solved the issue where, you know, a lot of times people would bitch about uh, the paint separates from the medium. Mm -hmm. Looks like that looks like that is a thing of the past.
0: Well, we'll see.
4: So, yeah, I'll reserve my
0: thoughts until I buy a couple bottles and give it a test. Exactly. Uh, exactly. I went all in on Army Painter. Uh, I had their whatever it was, their mega. You know, they had every color they offered and they didn't mix very well. Like it, I, it was, it was hard. I mean, I I'm going to, I'll go open-minded, but I just invested quite a bit into this pro acryl and I hear the stuff is amazing and that's, you know, it's worth the money. So hopefully it's true because I've never yeah. used it, but, um, well, I, yeah.
4: I think personally, I think you'll be very satisfied with pro Acryl. I love their product. <laughs> okay. Um, that I, that I use. Okay. Uh, but the uh the Army Painter paints uh I I think they finally fixed all the crap that they've uh gotten over the years with their their paint line. They've seemed to have uh invested a lot of time. They've got a lot of uh uh high power dudes on the paint team so to speak that actually uh-huh. helped develop it. You know, so uh you know, Goober Tom Hobbies is there. Uh the uh, uh Uncle Adam is there. Sam mm-hmm. lens is there. I mean, there's yeah, there, there's well, well. some very respectable painters, and I, oh, yeah. I like to think that they're not just straight up shills. So right, uh, hopefully this is a good deal. Uh you know, I'm not I'm not telling anyone go out and buy all 266 or whatever it is. They got a crap ton of colors, yeah. whatever that is. But you know, if you're in the market for uh for getting some paints, t- take a look at them, watch some of the reviews. Uh like I said, they've been pretty well received. And I, I think that, uh, you know, they might be onto something particularly. I like the way that, uh, instead of the triad, they've got these, uh, kind of groups of six and right on the bottle, it'll tell you which one it is, Yeah. uh, you know, where it falls out. Know, so you can see what's the left or right. If you need to go up or down, you know, if you're using it as a base and you want something, uh, to highlight with, or if you want something to create a, a little darker shadow, Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's that information is right there. Nice. Uh, I also like their naming convention. So they'll have the name of the paint, you know, and that could be, you know, dragon purple or whatever it is. I'm just making up paint, mm-hmm. paint names, but then I'll, along the side of it, it will tell you dark blue, purple. There you go. So you could so tell what it, what it is, by the way, as the guy that has red, green color vision, I'm partially colorblind having that color description is a big deal to me. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, sometimes I'm not so good at figuring it out. Like, oh, there you right. go.
3: Now, right. I want to uh, throw in there, while mm-hmm. we're talking about it, uh, Adepticon, if you are in the area, stop uh, by Fort uh, Wapple,
5: is it, mm-hmm. Marty?
3: Yep. And uh, you will have an opportunity to try a lot of the different paints that are out there. There
5: you go.
3: Oh, yeah,
4: yeah, so... Uh, Fort Wapple uh has all the di- basically all the different brands so you can do Citadel Procrul Chimera I mean you you name it they have racks of everything yeah. o- over there you know they're not door prizes you don't get to take them with uh but you can go over there and uh they have a uh, paint station set up you can grab some stuff off the rack paint it up and you know, who knows? You may end up sitting next to some uh, some of your favorite YouTube painters as well, because a lot of those guys end up over there for a while.
0: Yeah. There you go. So try it out there. All right. So yeah. I just wanted to give a shout out to our merch supply room, the Sitret podcast supply room, where you can get some really cool looking merch from coffee mugs, t-shirts, tumblers, uh, the classic long story short pint glass. Um.
3: Still doing the shot
0: class. Steel tumblers. I, I don't know why I don't have this, but I'm going to be updating this soon with some new sweatshirts and other products. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And then Lashler.
3: Are you go. going to have uh, other There's realms there guide. as well? Uh,
0: yes, probably. Uh, okay. I wanted to give a shout out to Flying Pig Games. Uh, they have a new game coming out called, yeah, well, it's I not old school kit, tactical, but that is one of them. Um, but they have, uh, where did it go uh so they're classic you know hex encounter games um modern war armageddon that
1: that looks interesting i'm actually was looking at that on facebook
0: on An armageddon and you can print armageddon and play war. it yeah. so if you go to i think it's war game war games vault you can actually print and play this game and it's uh platoon level if i'm not mistaken yeah it's,
1: it's platoon level um like right now and slash near future yeah kind of game i don't know that how many uh of course you can always kind of make up your own but i'm not sure what uh yeah how many different areas are available yet but mm-hmm. I, was, I was just i just ran across that on facebook and it looked pretty interesting
0: yeah it it caught my eye and then almost uh, like a
1: twilight 2000 war game kind of a thing yeah like it's I'm, finally happened all right. <laughs> right now what as far as but from a wargaming perspective rather than a uh which we did that once we did, we did uh Panzer Leader Twilight 2000 once. That so was a mm-hmm. relatively popular stream. I got the shit kicked out of me, but that was kind of the point. <laughs> if, you, if you guys know how, how Twilight 2000, uh, um, uh, tough years will tell you how Twilight 2000 actually starts in the setting. You yep. tend to uh, start off in a rather bad way.
0: So there's a lot of interesting stuff. Um, from this company. So if you're looking for, and they actually, sh- you can get the, uh, Vassal mods for free. Um, so you can play it if you have Vassal, Vassal, however you pronounce it. Um, you know, if, if you want to play it virtually, they have the mods, air, pretty much every game of theirs. You still have to have the rules and stuff, but, um, they, like, here's the living rules PDF. So you can pretty much play the game virtually. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. I, I wanted to, I saw it came across that just like you did over Facebook. So I thought I would, uh, you know, mention that as a news. All right. Let me close out some of these pages. I can close out that. I can close out that. All right. Let's talk about color of war. Before 1900, essentially there were armies still wearing brightly colored uniforms uh, British still had their reds you know and navies and blacks depending on what force you were with you know like you had uh the 24th foot in Ceylonwana and, and Yorks Drift in South Africa that were still wearing red uh, I think in other campaigns they were wearing red uh the naval forces I think were dark blue if I'm not mistaken um artil- was usually
1: a dark blue the answer yeah. is red so statement yeah <laughs> the, the 24th <laughs> The 24th was also wearing red when they surrendered to the Americans at Saratoga just oh. a quick footnote sorry oh. No. Oh, there's that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> poor 24th foot uh, uh, they
1: were they were worth Burgoyne's army
0: yeah yep you know you had the Americans in the American Civil War we were wearing you know Union blue or grays which is a little more muted Um, Then you get, you know, further back, you get into the Napoleonics, uh, you know, you had every color in the rainbow, essentially as a uniform option. If you ever pick up, there's a a couple books on Napoleonic uniforms and it's amazing. The uh, myriad of colors. Oh, dang. (laughs) (laughs) But, um. And I was wondering why they had these uniform color choices and big giant flags and things like that. I think I figured out, and Jim, correct me if I'm wrong. This is my hypothesis. I was going
1: to say, there there is a reason for it, but go ahead. When you had your commanding generals
0: sitting on a hill overlooking the battlefield, they wanted to be able to tell what unit was what. And since they didn't have radios and stuff, you had to look at their banners and the colors of their uniforms. That's my opinion that's
1: actually pretty accurate yeah i mean there was an actual tactical reason why well number one those those um uh, unit standards they usually <laughs> had like, a reg- like like the regimental colors and uh, the regimental colors and then you had of course either the national colors or the king's colors or whatever mm-hmm. and yeah the drums and the fife they weren't just out there to make noise i mean it was they had a, that was how the army communicated with each other yeah um the, the little uh, bugle calls and even the uh, the different tattoos that they would play on the drums that those are tactical commands you had to memorize oh this means retreat this means wheel left this means wheel right because there's no way anybody could yell you know that loud over that much uh, noise going on and yeah the colors you know helped you identify you know friend from foe it was supposed to reduce you know friendly fire and fratricide you know it's mm-hmm. pretty tough to accidentally shoot at the guys in the bright red coats when you're finding guys in you know dark green coats or whatever you know you can usually tell yeah uh, even through a lot of musket smoke so yeah it, it helps with battlefield control and yeah it's a time when command and control were was you know nowhere near you know what it is now
0: yeah so that led me to yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And, and conversely yeah. The weapons weren't considered lethal enough. In fact, they really weren't, not till the Civil War or the Crimean War. The post-Industrial Revolution weapons, so 1850s mm-hmm. forward. Um, they started to, total, like you, you mentioned, the uh, the American Civil War got a little bit more muted. Yeah, it started to get a little, like, maybe we shouldn't wear bright red coats with white crosses, you know, yeah, right here, Literally yeah. give <laughs> the enemy a aiming point. Because um, the weapons weren't, considered deadly enough or long range enough to where you know that kind of thing would make a difference.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, nowadays, in fact I've run across this one Mick and Payne's Leader counters. Um everyone looks the same. Yeah. You know, if you actually put like that new ACU camouflage that the army's using, you you put the what the Russians are wearing, the Chinese are wearing, and you're trying to like put those patterns on your paint leader counters, it, you have to make the, the the counter background different because um there's no way to tell them apart.
5: Yeah. Yeah, they're very similar.
1: Got, everyone's got to hide. Everyone, you know, camouflage is a thing. That mm-hmm. wasn't the case back in the day.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, not only that, but I'm looking at these and I'm like, wow, I can actually use colors other than brown, black, beige, and greens. Yep. Um, yep. You know, so bring, and I think from a game. You can,
3: you can use the rest of that mega mega set. Yeah, the other, yeah. you know,
0: <laughs> hundred and yeah, something but colors. Um, but... You know, it looks so good on a table when you have these rows of, you know, British guys in their red coats and you have the French in their blues and grays. You know, it's it's it looks visually appealing. I mean, yeah,
4: it's very impressive to yeah. be able to see that because, like, you remember the game of uh ultra modern Combat uh, that we did? Yeah. So I had four dudes in a house. Well I had two dudes in the trees in front of the house.
0: Uh-huh. You couldn't find them.
4: They didn't, yeah, they didn't Yeah, they didn't even know I had those two dudes there until I moved them. And I and of course I did not move them until after they engaged and huh Woo <laughs>
1: Oh, not that's, that's, that, that's, that's bad enough. Um, I've had games where I've forgotten my own guys. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> We're literally taking the table down and, uh we move some trees. I'm like, Oh shit. I had another fire team in here. Uh, <laughs> that that might've helped five minutes ago.
4: I mean, it turns out
1: camouflage works. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. A little um, too good. So you guys are mentioning how impressive it looks. That brings up another thing. This might not be so much Napoleonics, although a little, but you can go further and further and further back. Um, even even in the uh, like, the uh, the, the uh, Napoleonic's, you had uh, like some of the guards regiments were still wearing the I know definitely the American Revolution still wearing those big bearskin hats. Mm-hmm. Um, there's it's it's meant to be visually impressive, because I mean back then intimidation was, you know, thought to be a pretty decent um, right. armageddon war uh, DW 18, 118. Um, we were, t- uh, yeah, being, you know, brightly colored is like, I don't care if you can see me or not. We're coming straight for you and see these yeah, planets. I, yeah. yeah. They're about to be in your intestines. Yeah. yeah the whole point would, was to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. It was to be intimidating. And this goes, you know, like the big crest, the Spartans used to wear and stuff like that. They would actually shake them around on their head and it was supposed to be scary. And, uh, so a lot of times it worked. Yeah. So, I mean, back then looking physically scarier that nowadays that doesn't mean anything because you're a little black dot off of the front the the, uh, the fuzzy tip of my you know front side post uh you know from 550 meters away and you know you're done i don't care what you look like but yeah. back in the day it, well, it would make a difference you're well, down before you hear the, the yeah. yeah yeah
4: or, or you're, you're just the area where i'm calling the airstrike there you go or,
1: yeah.
4: or artillery
1: you're a grid reference on a map that used to exist
4: yeah, you know, good luck. Now with we're going to turn it into a glass parking lot.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I thought uh, bring some color to the battlefield. Uh, and, you know, there is the giant rabbit hole that is Napoleonics because
4: we'll miss you, Bill. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I, like I said, I, Jim's got WW2 pretty much covered, man.
1: You know? and i don't know what it is about world war ii world war ii is as a bigger ocean but you can for some reason players can dip in and dip out maybe because there's different well there's different regions in napoleonics too. Mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. but napoleonic just seems to be like this singularity at the center of the galaxy and it's like once you slip in you're just, everyone else just kind of sees you go bye
0: yeah and you know what and the funny thing is what you say is very true but it doesn't apply to like american civil war
1: American Civil War is a much smaller pond. Yeah. The battles are smaller. It's all on one continent. Um, the troops look – there are variations in American uh, Civil War uniforms, but not mm-hmm. nearly as much as you see in Napoleonics. Yeah.
4: All right. So here's a question for our U.K. friends talking about the American Civil War. Do you guys like playing it because it's just Americans killing Americans? You're like, ha it serves you right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't care who wins? <laughs> Let's throwing it out
5: Br- there
1: British playing Americans in the Civil War is like Americans playing the Eastern Front in World War II it's no matter who gets wiped out it's you know I, you have a good feeling I,
4: I hear a, but I but I hear a lot about uh you know our friends over in the UK that that do play it and I'm like mm-hmm. yeah. I wonder what the, wonder wonder the what the draw really is
1: Commodore Rob, especially to <laughs> get into the years um, like yep. much more, yeah, much Rob, uh, an old friend from the uh, mm-hmm. UK and uh, on tabletop. When I mean, he gets into the riverine warfare, you know, up and down the Mississippi, the Cumberlands and all that stuff like that, it's he knows his shit. You know, I, I'm embarrassed to say he knows more than I do, and it's it's my you know fucking war. And how does this? Get... <laughs> so it's uh, you know I should know more than he does, but I don't because. It's just it's it's one of his things, especially that little that little part of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, to the our people out there, um, watching and listening, what is your favorite pre uh, twentieth century uh, army, you know, uh, battles era? Because, like I said. I I just something about Napoleonics and the color and the pageantry of it. And and it sounds stupid because it's still war and people die and get hurt and all that stuff. You know, it's still war. Uh, It just seems different, you know, in a way. Has anybody seen the new Napoleon movie? Uh, Just asking. Is it worth watching?
1: People who know a lot more about Napoleonics than I do have told me to stay the hell away from it. Okay. It's very like like very like the tactics are completely wrong. It's very bad. Okay. But I, but in all honesty, I haven't seen it myself.
0: Okay. Oh, all right. So, yeah, I thought I, I, I'd give, you know, because we theoretically ha, are pretty underrepresented when it comes to Napoleonic's. Uh, we've done some Civil War stuff. You know, I did that video on the uh, Fort Donaldson, um, the battle there. Uh, I plan on doing another one about Shiloh uh, this summer. I want to go to Shiloh. And a couple of the other battlefields around Tennessee. So, um, yeah. Pre 20th century is Napoleonic naval small unit actions like Great Lakes Campaign. Nice. Great Lakes Campaign. Was that Revolutionary
1: War? I believe he's talking about 1812. Oh,
0: 1812. Okay. Um, All right. I mean,
1: you've got some Great Lake battles in uh, the American Revolution. I mean, only a couple. Uh, My personal favorite is Valcor Island. Um, eight, ten, 10 October, uh, seventeen seventy six. Yeah, that's um, awesome. That's a that's a fun battle from a uh, what's the word um, from a hobbyist perspective because mm-hmm. Lake Lake Champlain goes right up the. I mean, you guys probably if you ever traveled yep. up there, it goes right up the center of uh, New York, and it doesn't really open up into any big rivers or uh, it doesn't open up to the ocean at all. So you got the Americans at the south end, Benedict Arnold. This is in, um, again, the, the summer of 76. So Washington's getting absolutely tooled down there uh, all up wow. and down New York. He's getting the shit kicked out of him. Um, probably the greatest string of defeats the American army has ever suffered. It's, it's just horrendous. Uh, so meanwhile, uh, this guy, um, Carlton, is trying to invade out of Canada. So there's the St. Lawrence River. And then a bunch of mountains, and then uh, the headwaters, not headwaters, the, the northern tip of Lake Champlain is at a place called, I think, Saint John. Well, it's Saint John. in uh, English, it's in French, so who knows what the hell, is. Saint Jean, Jean or whatever the hell. Anyway, but how is he going to get his Navy there? So they had like a flotilla. The flagship was a frigate, HMS Inflexible. And,
5: mm-hmm.
1: and then 20 other schooners, gunboats, stuff like that numbered every plank in their entire fleet, took the whole freaking thing apart, loaded it up onto um, like horse carts and stuff like that, dragged it a hundred miles south. There wasn't even a road wow. uh, between the St. Lawrence River and the t- and the t- northern tip of Lake Champlain. Got to the northern end of Lake Champlain at St. At John and literally had to put everything back together. They literally had to one-to-one hobby kit their whole fleet back
5: together.
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, at the southern end of the lake, um, Benedict Arnold's little Navy starts with that tree looks pretty straight. Chop that one down. And with, you know, 1776 tools, he didn't have skill saws, chainsaws, anything like that. He's literally got a planer and he's, he's got to make every plank. And it took him the whole summer of, uh, of 76. And then finally wow. in October, those two navies tangled up and, you know, pretty much shot the shit out of each other, you know, in a, I would love to be able to properly do Valcor Island sometime so lake champlain comes down and then there's this tiny little island on the the side of the lake so arnold moves his rebel navy up into that little hollow because it's super shallow it's super narrow some of the he's hoping some of the bigger british ships won't be able to come at him at least not all at once and now as the british pass them heading south they see him like hiding behind this little island they turn around and now The one flaw in Benedict Arnold's strategy is that now he's trapped. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have this big shield. And what makes it neat is that it's super narrow. The whole channel is only maybe 300. yards wide maybe 300 feet wide and then up comes the on the side like it's in the the steep green mountains on the vermont side and Rondocks on the on the new york side so there's like steep mountains and tall trees you have native americans up in the trees sniping at guys in the rigging of the ships who are in turn trying to snipe british and hessians on the on the gunboat decks it's it's an insane little battle Mm -hmm. not terribly big like 40 ships and a lot of these ships are like gunboats so Mm -hmm. basically like the big flatboats on the side of those old wooden sailing ships yeah the hessians will put a big 18 pounder right on the front and that's a ship in their navy so it's a small battle but um definitely crazy huh it's it's a very interesting little naval battle and it's the first battle where you have a uss enterprise um it it was a stolen schooner from the british and uh slapped a new name on it and We've had a uh, we've had a USS Enterprise almost ever since, in our navy. We've had like nine ships. We've got a new one coming up. I think I think they're scheduled to commissioner in, in uh, 2025. Finally, we haven't had a USS Enterprise since CVN 65. That's the one you see in the first Top Gun movie. Hmm, yep. Is USS Enterprise uh, CVN 75, and now she's going to be the third ship in the new Gerald Ford class. So
0: awesome! Yeah, that's going to be good cool. So um, I am trying to um, work a little magic behind the scenes um, for a special video to happen this summer. Um, I've reached out to some friends of mine back up in uh, Chicago, Wisconsin, Michigan area um, to see if I can get with them to dive in Lake Michigan on some of the World War II aircraft that are sitting on the bottom from the old aircraft carrier training. That's where we pulled up um, a couple, like the, uh, is it an F-4? I can't remember which one. Is it a Hellcat? That's sitting in O'Hare Airport, the one that's been repurposed? Hellcat redone. is an F-6F. Uh, Corsair
1: as yeah. a VF, of a, a, a F-4U.
0: So uh, there are multiple aircraft sitting on the bottom of Lake Michigan mm-hmm. from the carrier training. So, I'm um, trying to get with them because uh, they know the guys that have the coordinates because it's pretty tightly held secret um, of where there are. So, we can go dive on some of these aircraft. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, there, some of them are at the limit of sport diving and it's freaking cold. You know, it's Lake Michigan, you're at 130 plus feet. So, um, we'll see. We'll see if it pans out, but I'm trying to get that because I think that would be a great video to show.
1: These are the people who didn't graduate. I assume the uh, carrier training. <laughs> now at the, <laughs> at the bottom of the
4: lake. Hey, you know we needed a we needed a lot of pilots back then. So if they survived, <laughs> they probably got another go at it. Right. Like, yeah.
0: Well, the thing is, you know, if you if you know the history of the Great Lakes carriers, they were old side wheel paddle wheel. Um, steamers where they chopped off that superstructure and built a flight deck on it. And the thing with these is you practice your landings and takeoffs on them but they weren't actual aircraft carriers where you could store planes. So you had to leave. Once you landed, you you landed and you took off again. And, um, because you had to go back to Glenview, that's, that's where the training was out of Glenview, Illinois. We had a Naval air station there for many years until probably the nineties. Right, Chris, I think, uh, no, I think
3: it was after
0: 2000, was it after 2000, but it's no longer there. I think it's a mall or shopping center or whatever. It's a whole bunch
4: of things because it was a large area. Yeah. Well, they've got the, the actual tower, uh, is, 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 part of, uh, the, they call it Glenview town center. So uh-huh. it's a, a a shopping district. Uh some of the uh base operations buildings are now uh called Nipsta uh Northern Illinois Police Training Association or something mm-hmm. like that. It's a conglomeration of police departments. They do police and fire uh training up there. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, uh but uh yeah, the the base itself has been gone for like 20
1: years. Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of good memories from that place. A lot of good memories.
1: Before anyone asks asks in the comments, you can't just have, like for carrier training, oh, the carriers, well, the Essex class was 800 feet, but a lot of the ships were smaller than that. For carrier training, you can't just have like a short runway on land and say land on that. Like why build a ship just for that? Yeah, the ship is moving. uh, It's it's pitching up and down. Uh, Wind behaves very differently over water than it does over land. Um, and yeah. you have to land in that in that kind of wind, yeah. So it's the ship has to be moving. Yeah. Also, that's why I mean we even had this in our in our Midway 75th anniversary game or 80th anniversary game is the carrier has to be turned into the wind to, to take off, yeah, yeah, to take wow. off or, or or recover, yeah. You, yeah, you you're always, you you're, always lift. you're always uh, yeah, you need that extra airspeed over the over the runway yeah. or off, over the flight deck, I should say.
0: And people ask why the Great Lakes and not the ocean. Because they wanted to be hidden from the Japanese and Germans. Because, you got to remember, the Germans patrolled the East Coast pretty oh,
1: frequently. shit, yes. Yeah. You guys talk about diving. I mean, you guys know. North there Carolina, a, baby. There is a belt of iron. Yeah. Yep. Uh, from uh, Nova Scotia all the way down the Key West and back again of just yeah. wrecked ships. If you want to see some... America, well, so. America first jumps in the war, and the British are like, okay, look, there are these things called U-boats. First of all, thank you finally for showing up. Now, secondly, <laughs> okay, even though you've been financing, even though you've been financing our war for the last two years already, and we'd already have lost if you weren't already paying all the fucking paychecks. But never mind. Um, now that you're actually in the shooting part of the war and not just signing checks, um, yeah, there's these things called U-boats. Now we've had some success with them. There's these things called convoys. The Americans are like, hold my beer. <laughs> you know, we're not even going to turn off the lights of our coastal cities. So, I mean, Miami was lit up, uh, Savannah was lit up, all the North Carolina, New York was lit up, and these poor merchant ships, oilers, tankers, troop ships, are just perfectly silhouetted against these night lights. And the Germans literally called it the Happy Time because for mm-hmm. they they couldn't stand it. I mean, every time they're about ready to loose the torpedo, they got to open up this book and find the silhouette of the ship and make sure it wasn't American. And, and now it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, enough of this. We know they're already in the war. They're already sending over, you know, this, this river of metal and men and oil and food and everything else over here. We're not allowed to shoot at them. It was very frustrating for the German U-boat commanders. And then when uh, Germany finally declared war on the United States, the entire German military kind of shit a chicken. You declared war on who? The Americans? Are you crazy? Except the German UO committers whose response was more like "Finally, thank you,"
4: mm-hmm. yeah. and send, um, send more torpedoes.
1: <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, it was like that, that. Was the only limit? The Americans weren't escorting shit. They weren't shutting down their coastal cities. They, yeah. you know, and uh, even nowadays, like like, if, like wrecks of World War II, there's like half of them are right within like five miles of the American coast. Yeah. So the idea that America, especially German, but also some. Uh, it was the only time America was actually fired on in World War II. A German, a, a, a Japanese submarine surfaced somewhere off the coast of Washington State. I think, maybe it was Northern California, and this little deck gun like shelled uh, a little oil platform or something for like five minutes. Went back under the water and ran away. But um, yeah, American. <laughs> I mean, uh, German, German, and, German I saw and a Japanese documentary on it with uh, John Belushi. Yeah, I think I think we screwed up with the Japs on that one. Oh, I, I would I would say we came out of the head on that little kill ratio. Um, I mean, never mind, never mind the bombing, never mind the nukes. USS New Jersey just parked off of Tokyo for like four weeks, and it was like just just start sending tenders with more shells. We're we're never gonna stop. Just...
5: Yeah.
1: Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, Japanese and German submarines were right up against our coast,
5: mm-hmm.
1: so to to train carrier pilots in the Great Lakes was definitely made a made, definitely made sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that so, was my long-winded
1: way of agreeing yeah. with you, Bill. Oh, so.
0: shot. Long story short.
1: Yeah. Nope, sorry. Um. So, Bill, back to
0: uh. Yeah. Glenview.
3: The uh, hangar for the three hundred fifth is still there. Is it? I mean, it's been repurposed, but yeah.
0: It's still uh, there. I mean, yeah. I it, like I said, just kind of getting off topic, but great memories at Glenview. Chris mm-hmm. flew out of Glenview. My dad mm-hmm. flew out of Glenview. Uh, mm-hmm. I went flying with my dad on a couple occasions. Um. But- <coughs> Unofficially. No, officially. No, but I was going to say, they were cool with it. Huh? No, I was, when I was with the 82nd, I came home oh, and yeah, yeah, we went yeah. playing. Um they're talking about when you were a kid. Oh, no, when I was a kid, that was a different story. But anyway, um, so <laughs> we're at Glenview and he goes, hey, come look at this. I was with my dad, obviously. And there was this Chinook sitting on the tarmac and he's like, you're going to see, he had no rotor blades on it. You know, he had come off a, a I don't remember what kind of, C5 or something. And somehow they got it there. And there was like a foot of mud. Yep. in the back of it, all the way in it. Yeah, and he goes. He, you it know what, came you from want... Panama. Yeah, he, they flew down to Panama to recover this Chinook that got stuck in the mud, and they had to lift it out and fly it home. And they had loaded it up on an aircraft and brought it back. And uh, yeah, well, they, they were they down were there doing, doing all missions,
5: the
3: water ops, where they kept landing, but that just yeah, kept filling they up just of mud. they uh
0: they were down there doing missions with the 12th group and uh, you know doing their thing. Um, but I thought it was pretty cool.
3: Yeah, that was our hangar queen for quite a while. Yeah. So now uh something we talked about during the last show, and I mm-hmm. mentioned was a uh, truck lagoon. Yes. Um, and yeah. and I also mentioned uh the TV show Expedition Unknown. Uh-huh. The first two episodes of this season, they're at Truck looking for uh, US naval aviators.
0: Oh, to bring the remains a, home.
3: Yeah, it is a uh, it is actually a very good show. I know yeah. Marty doesn't necessarily like Josh, but the, the scenery, the <laughs> the scenery and, and the videography is incredible. Oh yeah, uh, and I just didn't realize how big. Surprise! Uh, the truck was.
0: I mean, it's the size yeah.
3: of uh, Rhode Island.
0: Well, you got to remember, lagoons in the South Pacific aren't these little alcoves like some of the movies and stuff make them out to be. Some you mean of like Blue are, Lagoon, yeah, like Blue Lagoon. <laughs> some of them are hundreds of square miles. You yeah. know, it's it's a you know barrier reef with some islands inside and stuff like right. that. I mean, yeah. Truck <laughs> Lagoon was the Japanese Pearl Harbor.
3: Yeah, and me talk about that. Yeah. So there's some great, great video. You should check it
0: out. Oh, I've seen. I mean, Brett billion. No, the, uh... uh, yeah, those I'll check out, but Brett Gilliam and I talked about it at times back in the day when I had my dive store back in the early nineties and we were just getting into technical diving, mixed gas diving. Yep. And he, he was the, uh, certification agency we were going through. Yep. Uh, Brett Gilliam, for those who don't know, was one of the pioneers of, uh, technical diving and, you know, uh, scientific diving and stuff like that. He just passed away last year, I believe. Um he was trying to put together um, a group to go to truck to do some technical diving there to, you know, um, kind of promote his agency. And I, and I was like, Oh, I really want to go. You know, we talked about it. And unfortunately I just could not get it together because I had a new store and I had kids that were just babies at the time and just the money wasn't there, you know? So, yeah. uh, but it's always been on my list of stuff to do. Cause I really wanted to do it. The water's, you know, it's South Pacific. So it's typically clear and warm, and yeah, there can be some dangerous currents and stuff. But um, it would make some great video. Yeah, we, we talk about.
1: Oh, go ahead. Uh, we talk about those. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: You were also at the time. You were also talking about dive in. We uh, were trying to get together and group to dive uh, at Memphis Gerald.
0: Yeah, yeah, but then, uh, then we ran somebody, into a little legal trouble.
3: Yeah, and then somebody else beat us to it.
0: Well, there's that, but there was also the legal of hey, it's a grave, and we don't want you diving on it, and all that. So I did dive with a group that went up to Lake Superior to uh, uh, Ark Royal, Isle Royale, sorry, um, to uh, dive the wrecks up there. Um, They filmed for National Geographic, so it was freaking cold, clear water, freaking cold. Mm -hmm. So, um. Yeah, the wrecks in the Great Lakes, if you're into wreck diving and historical stuff, go dive to Great Lakes. Because they're, they're, they found another wreck um, not too long ago. I want to say it's in Lake I've Ontario or Erie. It's what Ontario, Erie, or here. I can't remember which now. It's one of those three. And it disappeared in, during the War of 1812. And they found it. And it's in perfect condition. Like it sunk yesterday. And it's wood because we don't have salt, we don't have worms, we don't, and our water's very cold, so it keeps it perfectly preserved. So
1: So we talked quite a bit about these um, these lagoons, or they're technically they're not technically they're they're coral atolls, Mm -hmm. which speaks to your point, Bill, about how big they are. Uh lagoon is basically like a little U in the water and so on and so forth. But they call a lot of them are called lagoons, but honestly, uh they're coral atolls or atolls, and it's the, the, the rim of, an, of a of a like a prehistoric volcano that blew mm-hmm. its stack and then sank a little bit, and then um coral grows on top of it. So there's a lot of either circles, ovals, or triangles of these little islands, and inside those very shallow, they make these perfect harbors. So, America advanced across uh, the Pacific on two major axes, the southern one under MacArthur and the 7th Fleet, and then the center one under uh, Nimitz with the 3rd and 5th Fleets, depending on you know which one it is. And, um, yeah, the one in the center was Truck. So, mm-hmm. the Carolyn Islands, I think, It's right near where we would eventually set up our little base at the Uliffi. Um That was kind of our version of that. And uh, in the south, it was Rabal. And these are islands that were never invaded because the comparison we drew in episode 16 of the Op Center is, oh, okay, we all know about Normandy. Okay, Normandy, the Germans had maybe 10,000 people against our 180,000 people that we put on the shore on day one. And we knew how, we know how tough, you know, um, uh, Normandy was. Yeah. Rabal had an actual navy defending it, which the Germans didn't have. Rabal had a huge air force defending it, which the Germans didn't have. And Rabal had 120,000 soldiers, not 10,000. So we can stop and just imagine what invading Rabal would look like. Mm-hmm. And Truk was kind of the same way. I mean, it was just this huge regional capital almost of uh, Japanese naval and air power. And for Rabaul, there's a lot of Japanese army there as well. Um, which is why they were never invaded. And so what the Americans did, they obviously just bypassed it. Uh, We talk about what the island, uh, what the tactic of island hopping actually is. That's a word that's misunderstood almost as much as asymmetrical warfare. You know, if I had a goddamn quarter for every time I had to explain what island hopping actually was, you know, the old line, I'd be, you know, the Maharaja of the multiverse by now. <laughs> but it's not about what you attack. It's what you don't attack. And truck is definitely one of those places you don't, or I should say you don't assault. Mm-hmm. Uh, you definitely attack. And that's why there's all those wrecks there. Um, Cause the Japanese had an absolute, not a whole lot of warships comparatively, but all their support ships, troop yeah. ships, tankers, oilers, tenders, uh, cargo vessels, stuff like that. And it's just carpeted uh, with all the wrecks. And then never attacked. I mean, there were still tens of thousands of people there when the war ended and they got the message and then they had to surrender. But yeah, that's, that's they're They're huge. Uh, I don't know how deep, I don't know anything about diving, so I don't know how the water is, but yeah, that's why there's so many ships down there. Now, a lot of them are old supply ammo ships. So sometimes like some wrecks are off limits from what I understand, because they still think there's dangerous ordnance on them. Yep.
3: Um, that's a they thing. They know you, if you watch those episodes, right. you actually see live torpedoes.
1: Yeah, but they, like how dangerous they are. Like, okay, the, the casing might eventually corrode or something. I don't know anything about metallurgy. And now the propellant the live is torpedo. out.
3: leave it the fuck alone.
1: Yeah, especially those Japanese <laughs> ones. The Type 93 Long Lance. That's got like a 950-pound warhead. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of uh, That's a lot of explosive to go off at once. I don't yeah. care how old it is. So, cool.
3: Yeah, what? Fifty-two ships that we put down.
1: Oh, I Something like that. I don't
0: would, know the exact number.
1: A truck? I don't. I don't know the exact number, but no, I, I mean, don't
3: in, in like the one attack, the the one
1: big. Yeah, I was going to say that number sounds a little low because, man, that it, it wasn't like I. I mean, okay, they say it's a Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor was attacked once. I mean, we Pearl Harbored that place every day for <laughs> the better part of six months. <laughs> uh, seriously, because uh, we didn't <laughs> want to invade it, just yeah. remove it from the equation and move on to the next island. It's no, not man. about what you attack; it's what you don't attack. Exactly. Uh, All right, guys,
0: uh, we're coming to the end of our show. Um, Thanks for joining us. A lot of good material. Um, Think about colorful armies. Um, You know, Napoleonics, Civil War, even the American Revolution. I mean, you know, you had I was going to say, that's that's definitely
1: mine. The Northern American Revolution, you have Native Americans up there, the six tribes of the Iroquois. You get some crazy colors up there, like the stuff they would wear and stuff, you know. Definitely very interesting colors up there. Yeah.
0: So, you know, your your battles don't have to be drab all the time. They can be colorful. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, nothing gets my blood going more than seeing those 151 British around the mealy bags in their red coats staving off four thousand Zulus. Just oh it gets my blood boiling. Yep. Just yeah. Great game. Anyway. We want to thank you guys. Uh, Thank everybody for joining us today. Uh, Please like your comments, like, subscribe, comment, uh, share this video, or share our channel. Uh, We do have merch on Sit Rep Podcast Supply Room. Uh, We'll be updating that shortly for new stuff and look for future content. Uh, There will be a video coming out tomorrow. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, And then next week, it looks like I'm going to be going back to South Africa. To January 22nd, 23rd, 1879. There you go. So. Yeah. Look for that too, guys. And in the meantime, uh, I want to thank Chris, Marty, and Jim as always for and Fred. And Fred, wherever Fred may be. And uh yeah. <laughs> There's Fred. <laughs> uh yeah, the unofficial mascot. I'm uh, sorry, Sergeant Sitrup, you've been replaced by Fred.
4: So. hey 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 <laughs> before we before we go there all he, right, he's still there with us Sergeant Sitrap.
0: alright guys thank you very much for joining us on this first episode of season 10 we will see you in the next one
2: you have been listening to the Sitrap podcast We hope you have enjoyed the show. Make sure you like and subscribe to all of our channels on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch and Discord. Remember to join us every other weekend for a new episode of the podcast, and don't forget our other programming on Wednesdays and Sundays. Thanks for listening.